Hi everyone, this is Bhavani Venkatesh. I'm so excited about today's interview because this topic is very close to my heart, which is women empowerment and transformation. Let me get into some statistics before we deep dive into this conversation. So as per the global estimates published by WHO, one out of three women in the world are subjected to physical or sexual abuse. It's just 33% of women who are occupying senior executive or senior management roles, and 17% of women are CEOs or head of any businesses. If you look at politics, there are very few women who are leading nations. And as to the recent study, it is shown that these countries are doing 600% better than the other nations, especially during this pandemic situation. Let's keep all of this aside and talk, talk about each for equal. Is each for equal just celebrated on International Women's Day? Or is she given, is she celebrated, is she given equality every single day? Or is a dream suppressed with pain and suffering till the end? We are going to be talking about all of that in today's conversation. So I have an incredible guest that is Toyota Shivani Toller. And uh, Toyota, welcome to this conversation and I'm so honored to have you here today. Thank you so much, uh, Bhavani. I'm really excited to be here and I hope we will have a really great value for your audience. Absolutely. So to, to talk about Toyota, she is a founder of Women's Life Nonprofit Organization. She has worked with people around the world through United Nations in Kosovo as victim advocate for women going through domestic violence, CEO of Metro Digital Marketing. She's an author, speaker, and coach who's trained by John Maxwell team. She's also a women empowerment and mindset coach, mother of two beautiful children. She serves on the board of the American Civil Liberty Union of North Carolina and Outer Banks Hotline. Wow, Toyota, that's wonderful. And I can surely see the passion in you in uplifting and empowering women. So my first question to you is, there are millions of women out there who are subjected to violence, be it physical, emotional, or um, you know, sexual abuse and violence. So that you have worked on this field for a long time, what do you have to say about this? The one thing that I have to say is that it doesn't matter what culture you're from. I work with victims of domestic violence in Kosovo and a little bit in the United States. And the behaviors of the abusers, whether they're Albanians, Kosovo, Indians, or whatever, or Americans are the same as any culture. And it's the same thing also for the victims or the survivors. I like to say the survivors of domestic violence and sexual abuse. It's that the, the victimization of the victims, that the strategies that the abuser use, it's the behaviors are common across the globe. Some of it uh, comes from cultural background where women are supposedly treated as a second class citizen. But down to, when you dive deep down into the psychological issues, men or even women, there are women who could cause uh, an abuse as well, but very rare. The, the main reason the abusers do this is power and control. And a lot of times is because they are weak people. They lack self-confidence and they try to control somebody else to make themselves feel empowered and feel good about themselves. 
And uh, then the, the side effects of the women, it's not so much just the physical abuse, the bruises and the cuts and the wounds, the physical wounds heal, but the psychological wounds last for a very long time, if not lifetime. And it's very hard for a lot of women to get out of that cycle, uh, especially in the rural countries when there's not a lot of help available to um, the survivors. I get, I get that completely. Is there any story that you can share with us that people can resonate to this? Uh, the first thing that I would suggest uh, for women who are abused, uh, any kind of abuse, whether uh, a physical, mental, or um, sexual abuse, is that you have to believe that it's not your fault. Nobody ever, nobody, I mean, nobody, you don't deserve to get beaten up. Nobody should hit you or insult you in a way that hurts your feeling or your heart and your skin and your whole body. Nobody. That's the first thing because a lot of times women kind of blame themselves for the abuse. Oh, I didn't dress nicely. I didn't clean the house well, or I didn't take care of the kids, or I didn't prep prepare his favorite dish, or he had a bad day at work. Those are all nonsense excuses. None of that deserves violence towards you, none of it. So what you need to do is find a place where you can think clearly and figure out a way to get resources that are available to you to get out of that situation. It's hard to think when you are in a victim mode because all, all you think what is happening to me, what's happening to me, but it's also, what is happening for me? Because some of these things that happen for you, they are the, your wake up call. They're the things that are supposed to uh, trigger you to get out of the situation, get better, and also help somebody else who is in a similar situation. And once you are able to get in a quiet place, think what are my resources? And a lot of times if you meditate, you will have your own answers within. It's hard to have an answer and hard to think clear when you are running around in a box like a hamster wheel, nonstop running the same thing over and over. And also clear up, clearing up your head, whatever the, the abuser has put in your head, you need to declutter, clear up your head, go in a quiet place, think about what are my options? What are my resources? Who do I know that can help me? Who, who is out there that does this kind of work? Who is, where, what women have gone through this kind of abuse and they got out of it? How did they handle that? Once you get into that uh, solution mode, I'm gonna find a solution, I'm gonna get out of this, you're always gonna find a, a way out. I worked in Kosovo in an uh, area called uh, Skanderai, which is where the war started. And it was the, the area that was destroyed the most by the war. I chose the worst area to work at. Also, the mentality in that area was very, very low towards women. They were treated like a second-class citizen. A lot of them were not educated. A lot of them did not have a job. They're housewives with raising children. And they, they didn't really believe that any, there's any other option. And when I started working with UN in that area as a translator initially, I found out there are all these women that were being abused and the cops were not even doing their jobs. They were kind of like, okay, well, she came to report, nothing happened. 
and that's when I got involved. I was like, this is wrong. These people need to go to jail. This woman cannot go back to the same guy that just beat her up. So that's when I started and, and I founded the nonprofit Woman's Life. The one story that I want to share with you is um, once I started the nonprofit, I was going on the radio and TV and published a, a magazine and we did field work. We had 52 villages and we would go to each house and talk to women. Sometimes the guys would not let us talk to them. They're like, no, 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 you don't come here and emancipate our women. We don't need you. We're happy with the way things are. Of course they are. But the one thing that um, struck me was we started a crisis line and any woman who had access to a phone, which was sometimes very difficult for them because they didn't have a phone. There was no internet at all. But this woman in particular found a phone, called the office and to told the volunteer, because we had volunteers running the crisis line and said, tell Teuta Shabani to meet me at this wedding and I am this and this and this. And she had the whole story. I need her help. She needs to meet me at this wedding. So I crashed the wedding. <laughs> I show up and I'm like, well, she's, she's my friend from high school and she wanted you know, to party at a wedding. So we did an initial, and I didn't even know what this person looked like, but obviously she knew what I looked like. So she came and approached me and hugged me so hard. And while she was hugging, she was telling me her story in my ear to everybody else, to everybody else, like hundreds of people and mostly women in that party, in that wedding. They just thought that we were just so happy that we haven't seen each other in so long. We were high school friends, but she was telling me her story and I was trying to smile while she was whispering in my ear her horrible story. And her, I could feel her heart was just like pounding on my chest. She was so nervous. And I, I held her back and I said, I got you back. I got you back. And she almost started crying. We were just like having fighting tears because we were being watched by all these people at a wedding. So I was like, okay, now we gotta go dance. I mean, from just hearing that two minute hugging and whispering her story, I said, we gotta go, go dance now. So we just went out there, did the traditional dance, made the little scene and then we went into kind of like a behind the scene where nobody was paying attention anymore and then she told me more of her story and i said what are your what do you want to do she said i want to run away and the hardest thing for her was she had two children and i said what about your children i said and she said uh they're better off without me being abused that my mother-in-law will take care of them once I get my act together, I'll go back and get the kids. But right now I have to take care of my kids. If I go back one more beating, I think I'm gonna die. And that same day I took her. Wow. I, she's, she was like, I need to leave. So when everybody got, the, when the party was the highest, that's when she got in my car, which was, um, I was, very few women in that area drove a car, let alone convertible. So I made quite a scene going, showing up at a wedding with a convertible. <laughs> but everybody thought, oh, we're just a high school friend. And we left when the party was very exciting and everybody was dancing. And I took her to a women's shelter 
And then from there, we just dealt with all of the battles uh, in the court and she ended up taking her kids. She took six months courses to be a journalist. And then when she finished the course, I hired her and she was one of my reporters. Wow. It is one of my, every time I, I think about the story, it just makes me cry. Because I, I get she was willing, yeah, she was willing to do whatever it takes to get out of that abusive relationship. Absolutely. And yes, absolutely. she did get her children back. Um, last time I was in Kosovo in 2018, she actually bought her own house. That's and she incredible. still has those two children. It's just really, uh, every woman has an option. We just have to believe it that we don't deserve this. And there's a better way for us. And it start with the mindset, which is what I, I do. And I'm really passionate about coaching now is that whatever situation that you're in, it starts with a mindset and visualization. There's a life and you visualize it. And then every single day you work towards that. Right, right. I just went silent hearing the story because I know there are, like I said, it's just not about this one woman that you're talking today. There are millions of women today who are going through this and their suffering can be worse or even, you know, right. uh, bad than, than what you're talking, right? So um, I think the women have that power in them. They could do so much. Uh, they get stuck because maybe they're not educated. They have children that they don't want to leave and get out of that relationship. They still take it and they go to their grave with that the feeling of separation of pain and fear, right? So um, it's the fear. Yeah, it's the fear that keeps yeah. them because the fear of uh, getting out of the current situation and anything that is unknown is what keeps them stuck. But then yeah. when they get to the breaking point, it's like, okay, if I don't get out, I'm going to die. That's when they start to, to look for alternatives. And I think women now have more options throughout the world. It's like they have phones, they have cell phones, they have internet access. They, they have more options than, you know, right after the war, when I was working in Kosovo, we didn't have any of those options. But now, especially here in the United States, we have apps and crisis lines and the hotline that I'm, I'm, I'm involved with. I don't work with victims now. I serve on their board of directors, but um, they, they have more options. We have a shelter and uh, it's all women need to uh, believe that they deserve better and they can get out of it. Absolutely. I think there are many organizations like, like your nonprofit organizations across the world where women can take this support and they can yes. go and seek support or once they're in this situation, they need to start collecting, collect this information to see where they can seek support. And also uh, probably if they need to talk to a therapist or, you know, uh, people that they need support. Yes. I think that is another important thing that I was thinking in my mind where they need to express uh, because I was, uh, I came across this line, depression um, is through suppression. And the only way through come and the only way to come out of that is through expression. So yes. what's your thoughts, Toyota? I think uh, depression ha has different versions. I've definitely been there myself. Uh, for me, it happened when I moved in United States because I lost, I lost the connections with people that I had in Kosovo, my family, my friends, and then the, the work that I did, it was just very meaningful for me. I worked eight hours in, at UN and then I eight hours at the nonprofits and radio station and this and that, I was, I was fulfilled. 
I lived in the, one of the poorest country in Europe, but I had, um, I was happier, I was more fulfilled and I had more money than living in the United States. When I moved here, I felt lost. I couldn't, I, I, it's like my whole identity changed. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. It was very depressing moment to be in, in that kind of uh, environment. And the lack of connection was what, and the, the lack of passion that kind of drove me into that ditch. It was, it was very difficult. Um, but eventually I came out of it and I, I wanted to mention that it's, it's again, seeking help. Like when you realize, okay, this I'm, I'm going down badly and I hit it for, I hit the depression for many years. Nobody knew, not even my partner knew it because I, I was very good at masking it because I still took care of the kids. I still ate healthy. Depression has different, different versions of it. And mine was, I just had like this hole inside myself that at the end of the day, I did everything I'm supposed to, but at the end of the day, I would just go to bed and sleep for 14 hours. That was my way of dealing with it. Mm. Mm. And I started seeking help when I had started feeling as having a suicidal thoughts. So I was like, oh my God, now it's real. It's real. That's when I told my partner and I started seeing a therapist and started um, doing more mind body connection and realizing that it's that lack of connection and fulfillment that was uh, getting me down. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, seeking help, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of self-awareness and strength. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. In my coaching business, I often use the analogy of, um, you know, the, the, in, when you fly on the airplane, they tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you assist children or anybody else. Because if you don't have enough oxygen for yourself, enough energy for yourself, you're not going to have the energy to deal with anybody else. And uh, seeking help, especially if you have anxiety, depression, violence, uh, those kind of things, it's highly recommended to speak to therapists. And if you don't have therapists, uh, read up information online, uh, do journaling is very empowering. You can write it down and then shred it or uh, burn it. It's kind of like a release uh, effect of it. Even when I started seeing a therapist, she made me write it down, everything that I was feeling and then burn it. And, and it sounds really simple and stupid, but it works. It works. <laughs> it really I, I, works. I, yeah. yeah. I think that negative energy other, is out of your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is um, we, we don't really practice self-gratitude, self-love. We, we allow the external uh, critics and things coming from the outside, but we don't, stop and listen to our love our self-love our intuition so one of the things that I, I highly suggest that also helped me is that when I go in the shower is that's when I practice self-love not in a sexual way that's not what I'm talking about it's the gratitude way when right. when we break when we break a leg we are like oh my god my leg's broken and we're sad but when it heals or when it's not broken we're not happy right so I take that approach which is which comes from Buddha is that I, I wash my hair, I'm thankful for my brain, I'm thankful for my hair, I wash my eyes and my face and I'm, I thank my eyes, thank you for having this beautiful vision because I can see my kids, I can see flowers, uh, my nose, my, my mouth, I can smell, I can eat. As I go down through my body, I thank every part of my body and I'm grateful for it. It's so powerful, it's so healing, it is unbelievable. Especially if you end it with cold water, it's even much better in the end. 
Right, right. I think uh, I just want to add on by saying that women always believe that they are 911 rescuers. They always rescue others yes. and they stop rescuing yes. themselves. They always have mm -hmm. compassion towards others and they don't have compassion to themselves. And um, okay. I, like, I like what you told about gratitude because we always sometimes even see gratitude, but we don't feel the gratitude. And yes. every day we are judging ourselves. I think that yes. judgment on ourselves should stop and also forgive mm -hmm. ourselves and just look at life in a whole beautiful way. Right, so, right. So I wanna ask you like, how can women show up and find themselves and you know, self-promote? Because I see that lacking in women. Um, I've been in the corporate environment for some time because the way men promote themselves to the way women promote themselves is very different. And it's a funny thing that when men go for smoking, you know, they're doing all, all kind of networking and all that. Um, mm -hmm how can women get into that self-promotion and networking and all of that? Well, I think it comes down to self-confidence. Um, and, but for me, it's also, I don't want to sound like I, when you're self-confident, but then you don't want to look arrogant. So we're expected to have our feminine caring nature, but then if we're showing our success or our, our we're going after what we want, we're treated as an arrogant and I'm not going to even say the words that they that we get called when we're successful. Um, and it's hard to balance that feminine aspect of ourself, which is our authenticity, along with being successful. And I think there's a way to do it both ways. And I see that it's mainly difficult in the political area, more so than in business because we're expected to be this tough and strong and not show emotions, but that's not who we are. We are women, we are full of emotion. And that's what makes us human. That's what makes us beautiful. And we're right. caring people. So I think it's important for women to uh, have an understanding of who they are. Uh, if I am going to believe this is what I wanna do and this is, there's no way nothing is gonna stop me, I'm going to go after it. It's just having that, self-belief that's what it comes down to uh not be afraid to ask for help when you are overwhelmed and not be a worry not worry about if i don't know how to do something find the help to do it focus on areas that you're good at and what you really want to do and the stuff that you're not really good at and you don't really want to do it don't force yourself to learn something a new skill just because it's a hot topic focus on what you want to do and then leave the rest to people who are good at. Uh, I know, for example, there's many times in the board meetings, I would say something, and then five minutes later, a guy would say exactly the same thing, and everybody's like, yeah, 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 that, that's a great idea. We need to speak up. And I, I stood up and I said, I just said that five minutes ago, it's in the minute, but it's okay. I don't mind uh, sharing the credit, but I need you guys to pay attention. Another time was when women have to speak also for each other. Uh, there are times when another person was uh, rude to uh, another woman in a meeting. And I would call out and say, that was inappropriate. Don't do that ever again, because I'm going to embarrass you in front of everybody. That's not acceptable. Yeah. We have to take that power. We have to stand up. And a lot of times, I don't think the guys mean it to be rude in that way. They're just not aware of it. And if we tell them how we want to be treated, then they're, most of them are willing to work with us. I agree. But we have to know ourselves first. We have to know what we want first, communicate that effectively, 
then things will ha will happen. I agree with you because uh, there's a saying that when men raise their voice, they're called powerful. But when women raise their voice, they're called nasty, mean, and uh, there are other terms that gets added on to yeah. it, right? So yeah. I kind of, um, uh, you know, can relate to what you're saying. And yeah. um, I never close my conversation without asking about our future generation. You know, what do you have to say to our little girls? Because the way we were brought up was very different. And yeah. um, the way the kids today, um, they, they are different from us, but also the way we should bring up our girls and including boys should be very right. different. I think the fearlessness needs to be put in them because when they go through this abuse, molestation or any kind of uh, you know, violence, they know where to question, they know where to you know, seek support or even make noise, speak up and show up. What do you have to say right. about that? I think the younger generation that I'm seeing now, it's more uh, aware of the problems because the schools have gotten really good about uh, promoting, for example, here in the United States, there's a program that the hotline does in schools, no means no. Whether that's uh, physical touch, abuse or anything, no means no. So the girls are aware about that and the boys are having to learn whether they like it or not. Um, the younger generations, I have a 14 year old daughter and uh, I have to say that her, she and her friends are much more aware of things before they even happen. And it's, it's empowering to see that. I love seeing that in the younger generation. They're more inclusive. They're not as judgmental. Like if you're a, a Muslim or a Christian or Hindu, or if you're a gay or lesbian, they don't black or white, they don't really care as much. This, at least her generation that I'm seeing. And I think as a parent, it's important that we uh, work in, and make sure that the kids have self-esteem, having that self-confidence. And it's a difficult time for kids, especially when they're going through the teenage years, because they're trying, they're learning to figure themselves out. They don't know who they are yet. So that's that's like an empty computer. We just load them with good information, but also showing by example. For example, if you uh, set up a healthy boundary and say, uh, I am available X, Y, Z, and the rest of the time, I'm going to spend time for myself or I'm going to spend time with my family. That's how they learn. If you are taking your kid to the bank and then you show them how to uh, shop uh, on budget, that's also another way of teaching them. So there's all these uh, opportunities that we have as parents. It's a, it's a huge responsibility. But I think uh, most of the people are doing a good job raising kids. The challenges that we have now is that kids are overloaded with information from social media. And sometimes you just have to help them kind of steer them in the right direction. For example, my daughter is into a, a self-discovery journey and the spirituality. And so what I did is I went on her Instagram account and added all the people that I think are important and um, uh, public speakers and uh, coaches that bring so much value to the younger generation or people in general. And I added her so she can follow those people. And in that way, I'm not telling her this is what you should do because God forbid, uh, teenagers don't want to hear that from parents. But <laughs> if you show them, you know, Lisa Nichols. Oh my God. I thought yeah, I had I canceled. You... No, I had okay. canceled my calls and then I got a call. It's okay. Go Did ahead. You interrupt? Sorry, you're good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Go yeah. ahead. So it's important to get the kids um, exposed to speakers, to materials, to movies, and have really deep, meaningful conversation. Right now, I, I, what I see is happening with young generation is that they don't feel heard and they don't feel uh, validated. So one of the things that we have to do is when they say, I'm so frustrated with school because now I have to do everything online. I don't see my friends and blah, blah, blah. Well, don't tell your kids, you're not the only one. Everybody, the whole world's going through that. What they want to yeah. hear is that, yes, that's horrible. I'm sorry you're going through this. What can I do to help you? They need validation, especially young girls. They need validation more than anything else. And I with boys you. too, we got to teach the boys to be respectful towards girls and be just be great human beings. And the only way we can teach them is being by a good examples ourselves. So again, back to being a good self-development on yourself, working on yourself, being good uh, within yourself, then that shows you can show up for everybody else, including your kids. I got you. Thank you for this valuable inputs. And uh, do you have anything to say before we close this conversation? I just think women need to support each other a little bit more um, and speak for each other, uh, whether that is in the board meetings, uh, motherhood, uh, political uh, campaigns and things of that nature. Women need to come together and support one another. Uh, that's one thing that I feel uh, we don't do enough of. All right, thank you so much. I think uh, it was welcome. a pleasure having you here today. And uh, before I close the conversation, I wanna tell all the women out there, don't let the violence pull you into silence. Show up, speak up, care for yourself before you care for others. And you have an incredible power in you. So thank you everyone for watching this. And uh, you can reach um, me and uh, Toya on social media platforms that will be up on the video uh, when the video is out. Thank you very much and have a pleasant day ahead. Thank you so much for having me, Vivani. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you very much. Bye. I would love to hear the feedback and comments from you. Please reach out to me on social media platforms. The description and link is provided below. And so much of love and light to all of you. Thank you.